0: Well, let's go through the instructions about what it takes to move our life to a new level. Read the Bible every morning when you get up. Start reading in Matthew, read like you would read a novel. Also read one or more chapters of Proverbs per day and pray this prayer. Lord, help me receive from this. What you would want me to receive, Lord, help me be the kind of person you want me to be today. Help me represent you, my family, my company, myself, in a way that will please you. Lord, help me attack each problem with enthusiasm and knowledge that you will be there to help me do what is right and best for everyone. Now, you can pray any prayer you want. This is just a suggestion. But the reason we read first thing in the morning is that's when the subconscious mind is most susceptible to being trained and changed. You start your day off like this. If you haven't been doing this, you're going to notice a dramatic difference. Then read the books in the order they are listed each evening before going to sleep to fill your mind with positive thoughts. You may also read on these through the day if your schedule permits. Move Ahead with Possibility Thinking by Robert Schuller. How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Sometimes people hang up in that book and stay in it and keep reading and reading and reading it. Go through all the books without stopping. And then, when you go through them the second time, you'll get four times as much as you did the first time. Your mind will be tuned to the material. See you at the top by Zig Ziglar. Well done by Ken Blanchard. Success through a positive mental attitude by Napoleon Hill and W. Clement Stone, and The Master Key to Riches by Napoleon Hill. You can get these books online and go through them. So read the Bible in the morning, read the books in the evening, and listen to the lessons through the day. Now here are eight things that can change your life when you apply them. If you don't want to apply them when we get to self-image, you'll understand why. Tell your family you love them every day, in a way that is not monotonous. We don't sound like a parrot in a cage. I love you, I love you, I love you. We want to be different with feeling, with our heart and spirit and mind and body language. We've had hundreds of people that change their whole program with their family by just telling them they love them every day. Appreciate your friends and fellow workers, and tell them so. I had a guy come by the office the other day, all dressed up in a suit. I said, where you been? I've been to a funeral. My neighbor passed away. I said, wow. Well, it's sad for me. We were good friends. We were neighbors. We visited. I really appreciated him, we neighbored together. They were farmers. I never did tell him how much I appreciated him and what a great neighbor he was. He said, I won't do it again. I feel so sad because I didn't tell him. Don't wait too late to love. Don't wait too late to care. Don't wait too late to reach out. And when we get to self-image, you'll understand why. Fall in love with your job and look forward to problems so you can show everyone you care. Everybody's paid in direct proportion to how they solve a problem. Be quick to help. Do not criticize anybody. He said, well, that's not my job. I'm not supposed to go do that. When we become a servant, like Jesus talks about, we're quick to help anybody particularly someone that can do nothing for us. Do not criticize anyone. We're going to spend a whole session on this. Criticism is cancer. It will destroy you, destroy your spirit. It will take away your joy. Look for the good in everyone. Program yourself to see the good. When you pray the fruits of the Spirit, the first one is love. Ask God to fill you so much with his love that you look at the world like he does. I was in the Ford house the other day, and this young lady walked up to me. She said, Virgil, I'm really having trouble with my significant other. He sees the bad side of everything, everything we talk about, our budget, the baby, everything. He's against it. He sees the bad. And I said, well... Would you like a suggestion? She said, yes, sir, I sure would. That's why I'm asking you. I said, get a clean sheet of paper. She got a piece of paper, and we drew a line right down the middle, and one across the top. On the left, you write down everything you got to be thankful for. On the right, what's wrong? I said, we could take 50 things right now that you have to be thankful for. Your health, your job, your friend, your baby, your mother, your daddy, your God, everything. And over here, what's wrong? Most of the time, people think of two things. Then you ask this question, what do you spend all your time thinking about? You spend your time thinking about what's wrong. Jesus answers this in Philippians 4. We should read it every day. Look for the good, the healthy, the wholesome. What about in our family? When we look at our children, we look at our wife. Do we see what's good, or do we see what's wrong? There's a new thing going around now. It came from Darren Hardy in Success Magazine that he wrote down one Thanksgiving he wrote down for a year, took five minutes, something that he admired about his wife. The way you keep a clean house, the way you're thoughtful, the way you take care of our pets, the way you do this, everything, one a day for 364 days. On the 365th day, it was Thanksgiving again, he handed to her and told her he loved her, she read it and started crying. She said, this means more to me than the car you bought me. He bought a real expensive car for her birthday. So said, this is a bigger gift than that. Take your family to church every Sunday unless providentially hindered. We don't think you're going to die and go to hell if you miss Sunday school. But you get something out sitting in a church service, in the presence and the atmosphere that's generated there with the music and the praise and the presence of God. You don't get anywhere else. You don't get it at Harvard University or Lubbock Barber College. That's about the only place it is. And notice it says, take. I had one guy that owned a machine shop. He said, that changed our family. We get up Sundays, all the wife and kids would go to church. I went to the shop. I thought I was doing what I should. I'm taking care of them. When we started going together, it changed the presence and the spirit in our whole family. Smile. A smile is contagious. You smile at someone, they smile back. You frown at them, they frown back. Speak to everyone you can and call them by name. If you can't, and you're going to be seeing them write their name down. Ask them, how do you spell your name? Write it down. Carry it in your pocket a few days, and then you'll remember it. And call them by name. And say it in a great tone. Most of the time, our tone of voice reveals more than what we say. Be a good listener. We're going to talk about that. It's one of the most powerful things in the world. Don't talk too much. Some people, you ask them what time it is, and they tell you how to build a clock. Learn to listen. Learn to listen. Study the life of Jesus. Get to know everybody you can and become interested in them. The healthy of that is you take your mind off of yourself and put it on others. Ask this question in front of hundreds and hundreds of people. How many of you know somebody that's miserable? They'll all raise their hand. Everybody knows somebody that's miserable. Do they talk all the time, and is it all about self? Keep your mind off of yourself and help others. Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that. Study his life. Be in the business of helping people who can do absolutely nothing for you. A friend of mine just sold a big company for mega mega bucks. He said, Slant, you're gonna see. The wife and I are fixing to give away some major money to causes that we're not involved in, they can't touch it, but every one of them is about helping people. I said, you know what? What? You better get ready. God is fixing to bless you. When you start helping someone who can do absolutely nothing for you, God will take care of that. Learn to manage your money to the best advantage for your family. Here's the deal. If you can't live on what you're making or you don't live on what you're making, you'll never make enough to live on. It's a negative habit. We've had people go through this. Bankers, lawyers, financial planners, all kinds of CPAs, they'll all agree. Until you learn to live on what you make, you'll never make enough to live on. We'll discuss that in a later lesson, how simple it is. Thank God every day for the opportunities afforded you and do your best with them. The key to all this is to make our best get better. When we started, our best was not acceptable. It was not at a level that was acceptable. So we set out to make our best get better. Read about it in the Bible. The guy that wouldn't use his talents. Jesus threw him into outer darkness, eternal torment, and weeping and gnashing of teeth. Pretty well, everybody else he forgave. Read about him. Why? He would not use what God has given him, and we want to get to use it and make it better. Remember, no idea is worth anything if you don't have the guts to back it up. Every miracle that Jesus ever performed, somebody had to do something. It takes action. You go set out on the railroad track it would say, Lord, if you don't want me to die, stop that Santa Fe chief that comes through here every morning, headed to the West Coast. Well, friend, they're going to pick us up in a body bag. They have to get their good suit cleaned and take time off from work to go to a funeral. Why? We weren't smart enough to get out of the way of the train. We need to learn to use what God has given us to the best of our ability And make it better. A little bit about desire. The Bible calls it conviction. You have to want to be helped if you're going to be helped. And you can create that desire when you start listening to yourself. Whatever the mind of man can conceive and believe, it can achieve. And the next question is, how bad do you want it? Remember, you wouldn't have the idea unless you were capable of handling it. Every person who wins in life has to have a desire. If you want something, go after it. Whatever you desire with all your heart, it can and should be yours. And then we ask, How bad do you want it? We ask that a lot because a lot of people, they really don't want it bad enough to do what it takes. Always remember, God made you. He loves you. He cares about you, and he wants you to have the very best. If we don't, look in the mirror. That's whose fault it is. It's all up to us. It's all up to us. It's not a wish, but a desire. You've heard the little old saying, I just wishing I could go fishing. It's my lazy day. How many fish did you catch? Well, you didn't catch any because you didn't go. You just sang about it and talked about it, but you didn't go. You apply action. You apply action. In the Bible... Every time something bad happened to somebody, God always replaced it with something better because he would direct them and they would listen. There's not a single case that we've been able to find, we've had hundreds and hundreds research it, that it's not better. It's always better. Why? Because God's involved. It's a way of him showing you his love, A lot of people can make a living, but they don't make a life because they are not doing what it takes to make a life. So be thinking about what you want, what you want to be. We'll define success and help you see how to program yourself to get it on. Right now, keep your big dreams. Keep them. We'll go through self-image and explain why. We're liable to be throwing them away because they're bigger than we think. We want our dreams to be big enough that we have to have God's help. Don't put down your desire. That kills. Give in to that desire and strive toward it. To move ahead in life, you have to have a desire to do so. Here a while back, I walked in a bank one day. And the greeter said, hey, come here, Virgil. There's a black guy sitting in front of her desk. They were visiting and said, Robert here would like to get ahead in life, but he doesn't know how. So would you help him? I introduced myself. I knew him. He didn't know me. He was the janitor at the other bank. He was just over there visiting he said, I'll do whatever you say. I said, really? Well, this was before we had outlines and instructions. So I took a piece of paper and wrote down the name of some books, and we wrote out some things for him to do, like tell your wife you love her every day, tell your children and hug them before they go to school, these sort of things. And I really didn't remember everything we wrote down. He said, I'll do it. I said, okay. Okay. Call me if you bogged down. I didn't hear from him for a couple of weeks, and I looked up one day, and he walked in the office. My office had a bunch of folks in there visiting. He stuck his head in and said, could I talk to you? I said, sure. I got up and walked out. We sat down in the empty office, and I said, tell me about it. He said, well, everything's working really good, and it's really moving right along. But I forgot the prayer. I said forgot the prayer I didn't remember the prayer so that's when I said let's just write you one we got the pencil some paper he wrote it and we both collaborated on it and that's the prayer that's in that first deal if you don't like that prayer well let's we'll get on Robert about it pray your own but that's how intense he was When he was that intense, we started meeting once a week on his noon hour. We'd ride around in a car so nobody would bother us and interrupt us if we went to a restaurant. And we'd visit about these subjects and about things that he could do to change his life. Our job was a janitor. He was a janitor at uh, First National Bank. And we got to talking about that and... I I said, start thinking and praying about your goals. What would you really like to do? Have some year goals and a three-year goal and a five-year goal. We were just discussing it. One day he said, you know, Verge, my five-year goal is to be a loan officer here at the bank. I said, wow, what a great goal. He said, that's five years, I know. You know, I've just got a 10th grade education. I had to quit school and help my mother and grandmother make a living for our family when my dad ran off. I said, well, well, write it down and keep it. I said, in fact, let's just go in the bank right now. I want you to show me what desk you're going to sit at when you become a loan officer. He said, really? I said, yeah. You visualize this thing happening. We went in the bank. He said, I'm going to sit at that desk over there against the wall. The boss sits here up here in the front When I'm going to be right behind him. I'm going to have that job. I said, start visualizing that and praying about it and doing what I think. What could you do to speed this up? He said, I'll sign up to Amarillo College, to take some classes on banking. I said, do that. Long story short, I'll tell you something else funny though about that. One day we was talking about his goal. We were sitting, I'd taken him back to work. We were in the parking place. And I was real intense with him. I said, Now, Robert, you gotta visualize this. You gotta do it in color. You gotta really pay attention. And he's sitting there with his eyes (laughs) looking at me, and I said, You gotta dream in color. He looked at me and said, That's the only way I can drink, Virgil. (laughs) He's black. (laughs) A year later, from the time we started, the president of the bank called me one day, and he said, hey, Virgil, you come down here. I want to visit with you. I said, sure. I'll be right there. What is it? He said, I'm thinking about promoting Robert. You know, everybody loves him. He's a great guy. I think he'd make a wonderful loan officer. I said, I do too. I'll be right there. We went down, sat down in his office. He was telling me all the progress he had made and how nice he was and how everybody appreciated him and loved him. He's just a servant. He said, I'm going to promote him. He said, he's learned. I think, what do you think? Do you think he'd handle it? I said, Jim, he'll run off and hide with it. All he needs is an opportunity. He'll show you. And that five-year goal became a reality in one year. What happened? He changed what he put in his mind. He changed the way he faced the world. He changed, he stepped up his relationship with God and his wife and his two children. Hey, don't tell him it can't be done. He is the first black loan officer in the whole panhandle of Texas. Other banks had called me to come do a program about it. How did this happen? He changed the way he looked at the world. So to really move ahead, you can develop not only a desire, but a burning desire. How are we going to do that? We're going to let that direct us and bring us this desire to the surface. You know, we're going through an oil boom now. My nephew's working down there, running a, where they build locations. They got 14 drilling rigs running. They drill down now. If you drill straight down now, down you get a 30-barrel a day oil well. When they turn horizontal both ways, they get a 200-barrel. Oh well, do the numbers do the numbers on that. Say what's that got to do with anything? Well, how long's it been there? What about your talent? What about your ability? What about your intelligence? What about your value system? How long has it been buried? We have to bring it out and turn it into service and turn it into service. Again, read about the talents. The guy that wouldn't use them, they can lay undeveloped under the ground for a whole life and never be brought to the top and show. It's so sad to see people self-destruct, because they don't have a desire and they won't use what God has given them in the right direction. There's a young man called me here a while back, said, I want to come visit. I said, well, come on. I knew his family. I knew him. He came, we sat down, he said, well, I'm in trouble. I roughed up my wife and I've got some charges against me. And I shouldn't have done it. And he sat there and poured this out, and I listened. He finished it for about an hour and a half. He'd cry part of the time and laugh part of the time. While he was talking, I had a yellow, there was a yellow pad there, and I just wrote in big letters on it, S-E-L-F. And he'd look at that, and he'd look at me, and he'd look at that, and he'd look at me and still talking. In a minute, he got quiet, and he said, that's me, isn't it? I said, yes, that's you. Everything is about you. He said, well, I'll get my wife to come out here and talk to you, and you talk to her. I think everything will be all right. I said, no, sir. It's all about you. It's all about you you have to have a desire to change and start doing like you know you're supposed to do. He said, what could I do? I said, first thing, go get Zig Ziglar's book, See at the Top, and read everything in there about self-image. The new revised edition is about 50 pages. It just take a few minutes. Read it. Read it two times. Don't call me until you've read it two times. Okay, I'll get it, man. I got to get it. I got to change. I didn't hear anything from him. A few days later, I was in a place he came walking in, and he looked kind of like a sheep-killing dog. And I spoke to him, and I walked over to him. He said, I haven't been able to get that book. I've been too busy. I can't buy. I said, hey, 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 don't do any of this if you don't want to. If you want to change, you're going to have to feed your mind. Romans 12 and 2, by the renewing of your mind, if you keep on doing what you've always done, you're going to keep on getting what you always got. Well, he didn't get the book. He didn't change. Two weeks later, he shot his wife, killed her right in front of his children. What happened? He refused to change. He refused to reach out. So, how bad do you want it? This will determine the level that we go to. How much love do you want? You can't give what you don't have. How big's your container? You know, we got a coffee cup, we got a gallon bucket, we got a 55 gallon barrel. Well, that's all the love you can give at one time. Ever how big your container is, that's what you can give at one time. God will fill it again and you can give it. But that's the most you can give at one time. So make it a go. I was raised in the oil field, and a thousand barrel oil tank is 16 feet tall and 16 feet across. Imagine having a container. With that much love. And then when somebody that the world is attacking and they need love, you can just dip in there and pour it all over them. When we know somebody going through a heartache, make it a goal. Be the first one to go to them. Be the first one to tell them that you love them because they're feeling terrible. How are we going to do that? the way we feel about ourselves. We'll talk about that too. So therefore, if you want something, go after it. Remember, you wouldn't have the idea unless you were capable. Keep it. Don't throw it away. Keep it. God made you. He loves you. And have the right concept of God. A lot of people you know George Jones and Tammy Wynette had a big hit record. I just hated it, and I liked their music. They had a they had a record called "God's Gonna Get You for That." Well, that's not true. God doesn't get us; we get ourselves by the action we take. He's given you a mind and a heart and a body and a soul and a spirit to listen and pay attention what happens is we quit listening. We just tuned in to self. We're not paying attention. And most of all, we're not hearing the direction of God. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. So have the right concept of God. Some people see him up there as a stick in one hand and a whip in the other, and he's just waiting on you to do something wrong so he can bam you over the head and damn you. A lot of people have that concept. It's like an eagle on a high line pole waiting on the rabbit to run. That is not the way the Lord is. He's a God of love. He made you. He cares about you, and he loves you. Have that concept of God. You know, a lot of churches can't forgive. It's harder to get in a church than it is to know the Lord too judgmental, too judgmental. We do not want to be that way. We want to have the desire to be more like the Lord and caring. Winston Churchill, he gave a famous speech. He was the man behind the scenes that handled and directed England in the Second World War and saved them from disaster. When it was over, they were quoting him and quoting him. He got all kinds of accolades with the school that he went to when he was a kid, asked him to come give a talk. And then the whole bunch was there, packed out, crowd. he sitting on the platform. They introduced him and all the things he'd done to help England. And he very slowly got up and walked to the stand and was silent for a few seconds and looked all around. He looked all around. And then he said five words. Never, never, never give up and sit down. Well, the place was silent for a few minutes, and then it just erupted. Because that says so much about it. It's so easy to throw in the towel and give up. When we do, we've lost our opportunity. If we don't jump on it and keep on going. A lady here a while back, I was working with them at a grain elevator, helping their people. And she said, We're going th- I'm going to get a divorce. I've already been to a lawyer. Would you go talk to my husband? I said, well, tell me about it. Well, I tell you, he's just uh, comes home drunk every day. After work, they gang up and drink beer, and he comes home, and he's really loud and abusive talk to their two children. He said, he's just awful. He won't go to church. He won't do this, won't do that. I said, let's make a list. What do you want him to do? So she said she wanted him to come straight home from work, not be abusive with the children, lower his tone of voice. There was some more. I don't remember them all, but the bottom one was no drinking at all. Where does he work? He works out here at the feed yard. I said, okay, I'll go see him. I never met this guy. i never seen him. We went to, I drove to the feed yard and went in the shop asked if he was there, and they said, he's out on the yard. We'll call him on the radio and he can come up here. I said, Well, if he's got time, I'd like to visit with him. So they got on the radio and did a few minutes here he come. driving up there in his pickup. And I was standing outside. I said, We'll get in the car. Let's visit. He said, Are you Virgil? I said, Yes, sir. Well, I've been expecting me. She told me you was going to come see me. Boy, he's like a tree full of owls. He got in the car and sat down, said, Well, It looks like we're going to get a divorce. I said, well, do you want to lose your wife and babies? No, I'll do anything. I said, what? I'll do anything. I said, don't say that unless you mean it. Now, we're going to try you on. She's willing to take you back with a few conditions. How bad do you want this? I want it. I'll do anything. I said, okay. I pulled a piece of paper out of my pocket that she had written this down on, and I said, "Uh, come home from work go with the family to church on Sunday, quit being loud and abusive to the children. I'll do it. I'll do all those. And I said, and no drinking. Boy, he hit the ceiling there. You think I'm just, I said, hey, hey, it's your marriage, your deal. That's a requirement. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. He said, wait a minute. I said, no, you wait a minute. You're the one saying you'll do anything in the world if you can get your wife and babies back. She's already been to the lawyer. I know that lawyer up there in the next town. I said, he's going to skin you. You wait and see. You're going to wish you'd have done this. I am. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I said, well, it absolutely includes no drinking. That should have been number one, but she put it down here at the bottom. He said, I'll do it. He did, and they saved their marriage. But you know the end of it? After the male gets his way, and he gets back in control, and he doesn't think he has to play by the rules anymore, they'll revert back if they don't have the Lord in their life. They lived together. The children got out of school, and he wound up. had to get a divorce. He wouldn't be the kind of husband and father that he should be. Crazy is crazy. He didn't have the Lord in his life and he needs it. How bad do we want it? If you really want to read something, you know, the examples they use about people overcoming failures is Abraham Lincoln. You read the book about his life, and there's a lot of them. He had 14 major failures, and he bounced back after every one of them. You know, when he was growing up, his stepmother loved him. She encouraged him. He was the only one in the family that would read. They split rails for a living and worked in the woods, and his stepbrothers and all that's what they did and they made fun of him. His heart wasn't in it, but he would work. When he get off of work, he would walk one time nine miles to get a book. Books were very rare and expensive at the time. The neighbors let him have that book. And he walked back, he'd lay in front of the fireplace and read the book. And they'd make fun of him. His stepmother would say, Leave him alone, leave him alone. One day, one day His time will come. Of course, he had to walk nine miles to take it back and nine miles to get back. Why? He had a burning desire. When he was younger, he had witnessed a slave auction in St. Louis, the jumping-off place for the West, and it just eat him up. He said, when I get the power and I have the authority, I'm going to come down hard against that. It's terrible. And when he got it, he did it. No wonder they rank him as one of the top presidents of all time, overcoming the failures and willing to go the extra mile. And he is so famous about spending time on his knees in the White House. One time he and the Secretary of State were waiting at a general's house to visit with him when he'd come back from the front. And the general walked in and spoke to him. They were sitting in the parlor. The general went straight upstairs, took a shower, and went to bed, and never said another word. Well, the Secretary of State just threw a fit. He, he said, to treat the president like that, and he shouldn't do that, and you're just going on and on. He said, hey, hey, leave him alone. That guy wins battles. He does what he's supposed to. I am not that important. What he does is more important than I am. How do we see ourselves? Are we number one in the world? The phrase we like is the center of the universe. A guy came to see me. First time I heard that, he'd been in rehab in New Mexico. And he came through her and walked in the office. He said, I'm going to tell you something you're going to really like. I said, what is it? He said, the counselor was visiting with me one day, and here's what he said. He drew a circle and put a one in the middle. And he said, you aren't going to make it until you get out of the circle and join everybody else and join everybody else. You are not the center of the universe. And that goes back to what Jesus said, Matthew 20, 26. Who's going to be the greatest? The one that's a servant. So always be thinking with this desire and this motivation, what can I bring to the surface and turn it into service to others? Your rewards will be way beyond what you can think or imagine. So, keep your big dreams. Don't throw them away. You can raise your image so you can accomplish them. Gosh, we'll talk about that in a lesson or two. So, please read and do the things. If you sit and wait on it to happen, it won't happen. You have to apply action. Read Romans 12 and 2. Pray, believe. It'll happen when you make it happen. Hold the image. Watch your world explode around you. How determined are you to change your world? How determined are you to make your best get better? If you're satisfied with too low a performance, we'll talk about that and how to raise your level and raise your level when we get to self-image. Thank you.